Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Hey, let's give it up for this worship team behind me here. Thanks, guys. So good. Every time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, good morning, church. My name is Mitchell, if I haven't met you yet. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, so thanks for being here this morning. If you are new or uh, newer to our church, uh, we would love to meet you after the service. Uh, Maggie mentioned uh, when you walked in, there's a little connect car that should be in the seat back right in front of you. So fill that thing out and then bring it with you to the connect booth that's out there in the foyer by the coffee. And we would love to say thanks for coming and give you a little gift, a little thank you gift. Um, also, before we get into the message, a couple uh, things and reminders. So Maggie mentioned this also, but I want to just say again, um, we are going to continue to do EMP every week, early morning prayer. Um, in the month of March, we did an intentional push of just doing a lot more prayer, worship, and intercession because we had so many teams that were coming to town from different Antiochs that were doing a lot of outreach uh, in Northwest Arkansas, and we wanted to prepare the way in the spirit, so to speak, by doing a lot of prayer. Uh, but every Tuesday, every Tuesday morning we've done EMP. It's just been so powerful. And many of you guys have come. If you haven't come yet, that's fine. But just we decided it's a good idea to keep praying and keep praying a lot. So we're going to keep doing EMP. There'll be different uh, groups of folks, whether it's staff or some of our life group leaders or some other volunteers. They're going to be helping lead, leading those prayer meetings. But every Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m., right up there in our prayer room. Come join us uh, if you want to come learn how to be in the presence of God that early in the morning. It's been awesome. Uh, another thing I want to let you guys know about, in two weeks, anybody know what holiday it is? What holy day it is? It's Easter! Woo! Resurrection Sunday. So I'm excited for uh, that entire weekend. We've got several things going on, but just wanted to let you guys know as uh, members of our church and people that come here is that this is a big weekend. E- Easter weekend and Easter Sunday is big. For many folks, uh, there are two services that they make sure they go to every year, and that is Easter and Christmas Eve. And um, and so what? it's not just a joke, it's just the reality is there's going to probably be some more faces all around town that are checking out church services. And we just want to believe that the power and the presence of God is going to show up in a rich and real way. But also beyond that, we want to be really intentional with people that we invite and there's a couple things we're going to do that weekend. Uh, we're still figuring out if Friday night, uh, Good Friday service is going to work or not. So stay tuned for that. But for sure, on Saturday morning at 10 a.m., uh, right before Easter, so that's going to be the, what, 16th? Uh, we're going to do a little simple little outreach around some of these neighborhoods around our church. And we're going to be just going door to door, giving a little gift basket to people and just blessing them, offering to pray for them and just inviting them to church on Sunday. And then right after that church service on the 17th, we're going to do a little uh, party, a little Easter party with free food and a bounce house for the kids and potentially for the adults after the kids jump, <laughs> mainly for JP. Uh, but... Uh, and yeah, just some yard games, just a fun little environment for us to be able to engage with other families that hopefully will decide to come. Uh, and so be prepared for that and invite coworkers, invite neighbors, invite friends, invite family members that live in town to come join us for Easter Sunday. You guys ready for Easter? Woo! Two Sundays from today. All right, last but not least, let me just uh, comment on um, what obviously I'd say probably all of you are aware of that happened this week in northwest Arkansas. But we had a very uh, serious tornado that came through town and uh, wreaked havoc on some of our neighborhoods. And a crazy thing about that is the tornado started about 300 yards that way, uh, if you didn't know that. And so the Lord mercifully spared this building. And and I just want us to just talk about that for a second, then we're going to pray. 
But there's a lot of different emotions that you could be experiencing as you think about something that is so tragic and hard that comes so close to us. But, but I wanna, the reason I want to talk about it is because I, I, want it to, I want it to touch us. I don't want it to be something that just kind of like, oh, whatever, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Like, I want us to feel uh, the things that maybe I believe the Lord wants us to feel. And how many of you guys at least drove through some of the areas that got hit pretty bad? Does anybody raise your hand real quick if you've seen it? If you haven't, that's fine. Um, I would encourage you to just go drive around uh, just to see. I mean, literally, you just <laughs> you go out here and you take a right, and you'll see that there is a tornado that came through just a few days ago. Um, and, you know, like there's, there's scriptures that talk about how the Lord, uh, where, how he wants us to weep with those that weep. And there's, you know, Jesus wept when his friend um, died and when he was seeing his uh, Mary and Mar- Martha experience loss and grief. And there's just something about uh, allowing the Lord to put a little bit of his heart in us that makes us more like him that makes us more compassionate, that makes us more caring, that makes us pray more and intercede more, and it leads to us serving and caring. And so just, I want us to, I wanted to share that with you guys because I, I don't want us to miss that, uh, that we want to feel the things that I believe the Lord feels, but then also it's opportunity for us to serve and to pray and to bless. There was a group of us that went out yesterday morning uh, to some of these hit areas and did some work and picked up things and uh, a, lot, a lot of sticks, a lot of fences, a lot of trees, uh, passed out some water bottles, gave away some free donuts, got to meet a few people. And it was an awesome experience because there were so many different groups and almost all of them were churches. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Like the, some of the places we went to, I was found people from Key Point Church, people from New Hope Fellowship, people from Cross Church, people from I mean, just Fellowship, just all over. It's so cool to see the body of Christ, the people of God in this region go. Go, go to run to pain and not run away from it, but to be there and to serve. And it was just so encouraging. Like we went to these different houses to go serve, but then also hoping to find the owners and be able to interact with them, encourage them, pray over them. But it was kind of like other churches already beat us to it. It was so encouraging. I was like, you know, we were cleaning up the backyard and grabbing sticks and, and I was making sure my boys weren't falling in things or touching power lines. Anyways, uh, and they, there was no power lines, uh, but I was making sure they were safe. And, um, yeah, I just see these, this group of uh, believers just praying over the owners of this house, and, you know, they're in tears. It's just so cool to see the church at large, not just our church, but the church at large, be the hands and feet of Jesus in this region, and just so, so thankful, and so it was encouraging to see that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great, great day, uh, but there's still a lot of people uh, in pain and need, and so we want to pray for them right now. And so um, even just a few seconds of praying for the Lord to heal and to comfort and to provide can go a long way. So please don't underestimate what we're about to do. I want you to really talk to the Lord and ask him to heal everybody that was affected, provide for those needs, and then that through this chaos and this tragedy that the Lord would draw people to himself through it, okay? So go ahead and turn to just a couple people that you're next to. If you came with somebody, get in groups of like three or four. Of course, introduce yourself if you don't know each other, but you're going to take turns in your group. Just quick 10-second prayers, just asking the Lord to cover all those that were affected by the tornado, okay? Go ahead. Whenever you're ready, just turn to your group and take turns praying. Yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your heart and your compassion that's broken for those that experienced such great loss this week. And Lord, we pray right now as your church, Lord, would every single practical need be met in Jesus' name. I pray that you would put on the hearts of people a spirit of generosity in this region to care for and to comfort and to give. 
And we ask for every need to be met. And Lord, we also ask for every emotional need, every spiritual need would be met in Jesus' name. You would heal the hurting hearts. You would comfort those that are mourning. And Lord, I pray that you would use this to draw people to yourself, to relationship with you. You are the eternal God. And I just ask in Jesus' name that you reveal yourself as living and alive and that people will be drawn to you and turned away from the things of this world and turn to you and find their peace and their hope and their comfort in you, Lord. We thank you for your hand over this situation and we trust you with everything else that's to come in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying, guys. Give somebody next to you a high five. Say thanks for praying. Good stuff. All right. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter. Turn to 1 Peter real quick. And we are going to be starting a series today that I am titling Living for Eternity. Everybody say Eternity. And what we're doing with this series is we're actually going to be sticking in two uh, books of the Bible, 1st and 2nd Peter. So we're going to be journeying through these two books of the Bible, talking about living for eternity. And we're going to take our time going through this series. It's going to take us about eight weeks. Now, we've got Easter in there. We've got Mother's Day in there. uh, But we're going to be talking about eternity for a long time. But eight weeks compared to eternity... It's not that long, all right? Wow, I didn't even plan for that joke. Thanks for laughing. Most of my jokes I have to plan for. Anyway, so it'll take us about eight weeks. But let me just talk about uh, First and Second Peter for a second and kind of why uh, we're diving into it. Well, one, it's always a great idea to do a deep dive in a particular book of the Bible. It's always a great idea. Every time you're looking at Scripture, trying to understand the context and what's going on, it's just so good. And then we take our time to understand what it says and try to apply it, what we're learning. But also, other than that, just general great idea every time you study a book of the Bible, the Holy Spirit seems to be really highlighting some things from 1 Peter to us. And uh, particularly, there's a, a verse, 1 Peter 5, verse 10, that I'm going to read. But this verse, I just feel like the Lord's been speaking to our church body through this. Jeremy actually referenced this in his message last week. Uh, I think Joey mentioned it at the Young Adult Worship Night last night. And then I gave a little um, kind of miniature message on it in January of what I feel like the Lord was speaking to us in this season as a church. So here's what it says, 1 Peter 5.10. It says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Isn't that good news right there? But it's, we just feel like that's something God's been speaking to us as a church family that the last couple years with COVID and just planting the church and just being a part of life lately, it's been a little bit of a struggle at times, and there's been some suffering. But, man, God has poured out his grace. He's the God of all grace. He pours it out. And we just believe that he's leading us into this season of restoring and confirming and strengthening and establishing us as a church body. Even you guys, I mean, being in this building this morning is a physical sign of a new season. The Lord just establishing us in a greater way in this region. So I'm so, so thankful for what the Lord's doing. Um, but lastly, another reason why uh, I'm excited to dive into this series and read these books is this theme of living for eternity has really been stirring in my heart, my soul lately, and I feel like the Lord wants us to go there. I just feel like the Lord wants us to grow in learning how to live for eternity. It is not something that I would say we've talked about very much or very intentionally, and I would even say the church at large doesn't talk about it that much. 
and we need to talk about eternity for a little bit. And if you think about it, your life on earth compared to life in eternity, what's that comparison like? You know, I did a little silly math. I was like, okay, if I lived, I don't know, 80 years or whatever, what's 80 years What's the percentage of 80 years compared to eternity? Now, math with, you know, the infinity side is kind of hard, so I just put a billion, billion, okay? 80 years compared to a billion. You know what that math is? 0.0000008% of your eternal life is wrapped up in your little 70, 80, 90 years on earth. But so much of what we think about, stress about, worry about, freak out about is this. And I just feel like the Lord wants to shift our perspective a little bit and have us talk about eternity. So much of what we do focuses on, or even some of the messaging focuses on how do you live your best life now. (laughs) I just want to make sure, no matter what my life looks like now, I'm living my best life then. (laughs) And what we do, and this is what we're going to unpack over these next several weeks, what we do with this much of our life actually affects and impacts our eternity. And so we're going to unpack that over the next couple of weeks, because even that statement alone will make you think, really, is he right? Well, stay tuned to find out what the Bible says. But let me talk about eternity just for a little bit, because I want you also to know, like, this, this really matters, because there are messages all of us are hearing all throughout every day and week that tell us the opposite of what I just said. Most messages of our day say, live for right now. Live for, for, live for this. Live for right now. Even, I'm going to give you a couple examples in a second of kind of pop culture and some songs that are out there these days. Now, uh, bear with me because some of these artists I'm about to mention, I don't really listen to. But here's what I've learned that is what some of these people say. Let's start with my boy Jay-Z, all right? In a song, I think, called Forever Young, he says, Without a wrinkle in today because there is no tomorrow. For your country fans, there's a guy named Aaron Tippin. And he says, love like there's no tomorrow, live for every moment. Selena Gomez says, live like there's no tomorrow because all that we have is here right now. Last but not least, Usher and Pitbull. This song, DJ Got Us Fallen in Love, here's what it says. Keep down in drinks like there's no tomorrow. There's just right now, 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 now. I had to double check these real songs. But here's the problem. The Bible has a very different message than what I just said. It has a very, very different message. It is clear as you look throughout Scripture that God is real. One day we're going to stand before him. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Eternity is real. And it may feel like life is so long on the earth and eternity is so far away. But the Bible warns us to not think that way. Psalm 103, 15 and 16 says, Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. So this topic I'm going to dive into is sobering, but I think in a good way. If what I'm saying and what some of these verses are saying is true, then it matters for us to shift our perspective and look into in a sense, eternity, to figure out how does that affect my life right now. And I'm going to pray for us in just a second for the Lord to open us up. But 
even though some of this stuff might be sobering, might be heavy, might be convicting, I just want you to rejoice no matter what you might feel as we dive into these truths because anytime the Lord challenges or he convicts or he sobers us, it's for our good. He has great intentions for every one of you in this room. Great intentions. He loves you and cares about you. And if we are distracted by the things of this life or we are chasing things that we shouldn't chase or we're living for things that are so temporary and he wants us and he sees that there's more, he, he wants to let us know. And I'm excited for him to kind of do some business in me and I'm inviting you guys along in the journey of what does it look like to live for eternity. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to really speak to us. And just as I pray, just don't just listen to my prayer. <laughs> I want you just in the quietness of your own heart to ask the Lord as well, to open you up to this topic. So, Lord, here we are. Lord, I need this message. I'll say more than anybody in this room. And, Lord, we just want to hear your voice this morning. And we want you to open our hearts. Lord, I ask you that there would, just, there would not be places in our hearts that are so hardened to you that we don't open up. So, Lord, give us grace to open our hearts to you. Speak to us, Lord, about living for eternity. Speak to us through First and Second Peter. Lord, use this to mark us, to change us, to transform us. Lord, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit, make your word alive and known to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, here at First Peter. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, look at verse 1. I'm going to just start with a little bit of context in this uh, book here. 1 Peter 1.1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Let me pause there. It goes on to just kind of give a little bit of an intro about Peter being saved by Jesus and the people he's talking to. But let me pause here because I want to give you a little bit of a context of, of this book here because I think there's a couple things that matter as we are going to continue to unpack over the next couple weeks. So one, who wrote this book? <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Good try. Peter. <laughs> Peter wrote this book. And to who? He wrote to the exiles of the dispersion and all of these different things. A little context there. So the early Christians were really persecuted in the early days, and in a sense they were exiled or they were sent out to some by choice, some by force, to these different regions and cities that are just mentioned right here. Now, I'm going to come back to that phrase exiles in just a second, but let me comment on the fact that what you'll notice here is that there is a wide range of people and believers that this letter is written to, okay? So Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All of those places are in similar, a similar region, but they're all very distinct different cities in different specific regions uh, amidst the broad region. And the reason that that matters is because this book is not written to just one particular church congregation. And so what you'll notice as you read throughout this book is that it's not just commenting on specific things a church was, this particular church was dealing with, but this is like broad and true principles and commands and teachings and truths that are going to apply to a wide range and variety of people and believers. So that matters because when you understand the context here, it helps us understand, interpret, and apply what we're reading as opposed to, let's say, a book like 1 Corinthians was specifically written to the Corinthian church that had a lot of specific things that Paul was addressing. As you read throughout 1 Corinthians, he'll use this phrase when he starts different kind of paragraphs or new topics. He says, now concerning blank, 
Then he goes on saying all this stuff. Okay, here's, here's a couple examples of, of the specific nature of 1 Corinthians, and I'll come back to 1 Peter in a second. Chapter 7, he go, Paul goes on this rant about not getting married. Okay, interesting. Okay, he also goes on this rant about head coverings. Interesting. And he also goes on a rant about women not speaking. So all those things, uh, it's helpful to understand the context that Paul is addressing some very specific things um, that this church was questioning and having, trying to wrestle through. But when you go to 1 Peter, he is talking to a broad audience. And so here's what I mean. Here's my point and your takeaway. There's just very little room in this book to question, does this really apply to me or not? So it does. <laughs> it applies to every single believer. Of course, it's helpful to understand the context, but there's a lot of really good things in here that we need to hear. And, and let me just even say it a different way. There's a lot of things in here in this book, these books, that we really need to hear today in the context of what's happening in our culture. It really speaks to a lot of things. Here's a couple things that First and Second Peter speak to that might make sense to you as you think about our culture in the last couple years. One, talks about suffering, hardship, and loss. It talks about what to do with anxiety and fear. It talks about learning how to respond to governing authorities. And it talks about, here's, I'm going to come back to you, here it is, being exiles in a particular culture. Or another word I'm going to use is minorities in a culture. Now, when I say the word minority, I don't mean skin color or ethnicity or socioeconomic status, but minority in worldview and belief system. I don't know if you guys have caught this yet, but the Christian worldview and perspective is becoming, in our nation, and our culture, less and less the majority worldview. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Now, I think it's good when the majority of our culture is applying or trying to apply biblical principles. That's great because there's, we're going to inherit, in a sense, a blessing from trying to do things God's way. But what's so cool is when this and our worldview and belief system becomes the minority, it is an opportunity for the church to shine like never before because we look so different. And it's actually appealing to those that are stirring for something more and they've looked at things in the world and they come into a church and it doesn't look like the world. It doesn't look like what they can find out there. It looks so different and potent and just, and just unique. It's actually an opportunity for us to actually be Christians. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Believe it or not, followers of Jesus are supposed to look different. And I just believe this is an opportunity for the church to rise and shine like never before and for God's glory and presence to be on us. But it requires us to live a different life than what the world is living for us to even look differently at all. Now, if you're not convinced that different worldviews and belief systems will kind of lead to different outer workings, let me just give you a simple example um, in the kind of diversion of where conclusions can go by talking about origin, okay, origin of life, origin of where just things come from. If you take two people, one person believes that God created everything, and somebody else that believes the world of the universe just came into existence by itself, those two starting points will lead in two very different directions and lead to two different, very different conclusions about our purpose in life, our value system, or morals, truth versus untruth, and specifically lead to different conclusions about eternity. 
And what you'll notice as you read through First and Second Peter is one of the main th- themes is, is Peter instructing these believers on how to live in the midst of being an outsider, an exile, or a minority. And here is, he's like, hey, I know the culture around you thinks and believes differently than what we as followers of Jesus believe. But he's giving instructions. But think this way. Act this way. Respond this way. Do this way. But you know what his underlying motivation behind all of it is? He says, because we're not living for this age, we're living for eternity. That was his motivation behind why we should even consider living differently than the world is because we are living for eternity. So as I study these, last, these, these books the last couple of days, I found 35 different references to eternity in just these two little books. It's like eight chapters. Now, that's my own count, so you can ask a scholar later, whoever, whoever you know that's a scholar. Let me have his number, too. But anyways, um, I found about 35 references to eternity, and that could be talking about literally the word eternity or heaven or the judgment of God or the return or revelation of Jesus Christ. But let me show you a slide with a couple of them. Here's five quick ones. Okay, so in 1 Peter 1, 4, it talks about an inheritance that is kept in heaven, the eternal place, heaven, for us. 1 Peter 1.13, he instructs the believers to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Set your hope fully. Everybody say fully. fully. On the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That would be great, actually, if we did that. <laughs> if all of our hopes were fully set on, on what will be brought to us when Jesus returns. Okay, another one it says, can, uh, talk in the context here, it's in this third one, it says 1 Peter 2, 23, um, talking about Jesus suffering. He says, but Jesus continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, referencing the day when the Lord is going to judge. And Jesus just had revelation that that's going to happen one day, so therefore I can endure unjust suffering. And then keep going, 2 Peter 1, 11, an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Everybody say eternal there is, again, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the very, very last verse of Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, To him be the glory both now and to the day of what? Eternity. Amen. So this is a theme all throughout these two books we're going to be diving into in the next several weeks. Uh, but this topic of living for eternity and even just diving into these two books of the Bible, it's like it's too much to cover in eight weeks. There's just so much to unpack. Even the concept of eternity is just so far beyond our natural mind. And so here, I'm going to give you a slide with a couple other resources I want to point you to if you want to do a little bit of a deeper dive over these next couple weeks. There's also a resource that I'm hoping, well, yeah, you can take a picture of this if you want to. Uh, There's a resource I'm hoping that's just a small little booklet um, that's uh, like a short version of uh, that first book up there that I'm hoping that we all have here in the next couple weeks. It's just an easy read about heaven. So a uh, book uh, called Heaven by Randy Alcorn and Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And then there's two podcasts over here. So Ideology Podcast, I've referenced that multiple times. There's, there's two guys within the Antioch movement that uh, lead this, and they really tackle some uh, common mindsets and perspectives in our culture. And they recently did one on heaven, hell, and eternity. And then this last one was just a great message I listened to recently called Living for Eternity uh, by the Jesus Culture guy, Banning L, whatever his last name is. All right, now before I dive into one particular um, passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, let me just 
share three quick things that are common misconceptions about eternity. Some of these, uh, hopefully, will be help. All of them will be helpful. Some of them might be a surprise. I don't know. Somewhere in between. Here you go. Here's a slide that has three common misconceptions about eternity. All right. Number one is we are going up to heaven. I'll comment on that soon. Okay, next one, we will be immaterial spirits or souls in eternity. Immaterial meaning like we won't, there's no, nothing physical, okay? And then the third one, everyone's favorite, we will be floating around on clouds with harps and singing all day. Some of you are like, I don't think I'll be able to play a harp even in heaven. Uh, good news, I think you won't <laughs> need to even try. Here's a couple references that can get you started on these thoughts, okay? That first, here, let me just go ahead and put the subpoints on. Uh, with the uh, verses. I think we have it. So instead of going up to heaven, what's more biblical is that heaven is coming to earth. Revelation 21, 22 says real clearly that the Lord's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. It's also throughout First and Second Peter. Um, and then really clearly at the very end of the Bible, it's really clear that Jesus is going to establish his throne on the earth and that the Father is going to inhabit it. Okay, the second one, uh, we are actually going to have not just spirits and souls, but new resurrected bodies. And look what it says, with all five senses and maybe more. You know, the, the reason I say maybe more is because these resurrected bodies seem to be a little bit different than your body right now. Okay, First Corinthians 15 talks about this in depth. Paul's like, <laughs> so funny. He's like, no, guys, we're not going to have a temporal body. We're going to have resurrected bodies, duh. I'm like, well, it's not really a duh to me. But the more you read Scripture, you realize, oh, my gosh, okay, uh, I am... This is, it's not it. It's not just a floating around spirit thing. There's actually a resurrected body that God's going to give me. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had a resurrected body that he ate, and he was around. He in- interacted. He talked. He still had scars in his hands. I don't know exactly how it all works. That's why I said maybe there's more than five senses. I don't know. All right, last one. We won't be floating around on clouds, but we will be, quote, unquote, what Revelation 5 talks about in several other verses, ruling and reigning with Christ. There will be actual things in partnership with the Lord that we do in eternity as service unto him. It's pretty amazing stuff. Check those references out and then keep listening on this series and read some of those books to discover more. But let me just kind of close out this morning, this kind of intro, by focusing in on 1 Peter, the very last couple verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Go to verse 22 through 25, and then we'll talk about it a little bit and hopefully pull out a couple practical applications, at least for this first week. So 1 Peter 1, verse 22. says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, In all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So let me comment on this. It starts off by talking about the, the seriousness of obeying the truth. But what it does when we obey the truth is it purifies our hearts and our motives. And we're able to sincerely love others from a pure heart. And then it says, because or since you are not living just for this earth. It says you are not just perishable, but you have received an imperishable seed from God that lives inside of you that's going to abide forever. Then he goes on to talk about this analogy of grass. Now, everybody say grass. Let's talk about grass for a second here, okay? 
So this is actually a reference on uh, a prophecy and scriptures from Psalms and Isaiah. But let's just talk about grass because for every reason in scripture, multiple times, 1 Peter, Isaiah, Psalms, the Lord decides to put our lives in this analogy with grass. All right. Now, I want to talk about this, but really what I'm doing is I am, I am, I am sharing a pretty vulnerable, um, vulnerable thing here. And it's about one of the one of the most consistent conflicts in, in Beth and I's marriage. It's about grass. It's about grass. But here's the root of our problem. No pun intended. But here's the root. Our value system as it pertains to grass is very different. One of us cares a lot about our grass. The other one does not care as much. One of us thinks it's ridiculous how much money it costs to do weed prevention. One of us thinks it's actually pretty cheap. One of us thinks weeds are a big deal. The other one thinks that grass and weed are the same color, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) You can guess who's who. But listen, this conversation about grass has led to... Frustration. It's led to many disagreements, many stresses, many fists on the table, obviously by Beth, and even some tears. But here's my point this source of conflict and stress is about grass. The Bible says is here today and gone tomorrow, that comes up and then dies. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, we all do this really about different things other than grass and what it is is we get so worked up so stressed so much conflict so much angst about things that are here today and gone tomorrow and things that don't matter for eternity and i believe the lord is serious about this and why he's using this as an example to help us look up and wake up to allow ourselves to be worked up about the things that actually matter And so let me just slowly express again, I just wonder how much of our stress, of our worries, of our anxieties actually have to do with things that are only pertinent in the things of this life and not to eternity. And I wonder if the Lord shifted our perspective that it would affect how easily or not easily we get worked up or stressed or anxious about things. And it's just really, it's a, a rearranging of really the way that we think and also the what we pursue. Let me give you a couple examples. Because, you know, it matters to have money in this life because that's how you pay for food and pay for things. But really, life is not about how much money you make. But I would say, here's the balance of what I'm saying, is there, our life here on earth matters for eternity, but it, God's not going to ask you when you stand before him, how much money did you make? But I think a question he could ask us is, with the money you did make, what did you do with it? It's not about exactly the, what job or perfect job that you take, but it's about being faithful to work diligently unto the Lord and honoring your coworkers and your bosses, no matter what job you have. Not slandering and speaking negatively of your coworkers and of your bosses because they're so mean, but 
but being faithful to serve and honor wherever you are. And I would even say it's not even about marrying the perfect and the right person. I said it. But it's about being faithful and pure to whoever you marry for the rest of your life. That's what actually it's about. So when you have an internal perspective and you think about what are the things that God might actually ask me on the day I stand before him, which we're going to unpack over the next couple weeks on this judgment seat of Christ the Bible talks about. And we're going to talk about heaven and hell. We're going to talk about eternity. We're going to talk about these things. It's just important to make sure that I'm thinking about that and what matters when I'm addressing or responding to this thing or when I'm thinking about this thing and when I'm having this direction of thoughts this way or that way. So here's how I want to close it out as I want to just talk about really like the freedom that we have when we take on this mindset of living for eternity. Because like I said, this is sobering truth and reality to think about, but God has great intentions for us. And when we receive this truth about eternity and living for eternity, it leads to our freedom. Every truth from God leads to freedom for us. John 8 says, then we will know the truth and the truth will what? Set us free. So I'm going to talk about, there's a slide that has four of them up here, but here's some freedoms of living for eternity. I give you two freedom from and then two freedom to, and they kind of go together. So the first one here is when we live for eternity, it gives us freedom from stress, worry, and anxiety. Now, I don't want to preach to you like this happy-go-lucky, life's never hard, but, but you will get ever, I believe you will get ever-increasing freedom from stress, worry, and anxiety, the more you focus, not on this life, but you focus on eternity. You'll be able to see a little more clearly about the things in this life that are worth, quote-unquote, stressing about. And when we get free and more and more free from those things, it leads freedom to respond the right way. When hard things happen, when stressful things happen, when people do things you wish they didn't do, when circumstances happen that are out of your control, there is a freedom to respond rightly when our minds are set on eternity. We respond with trust in God, trust and confidence in God that he's going to make all things work together for our good. We respond with conviction. We respond with forgiveness for those that wrong us because we know we don't want to stand before the Lord still holding bitterness in our hearts one day. We are free to respond rightly, conscious of the day that we stand before the Lord. Also, it leads to freedom from impure motives. And I just want to comment on this. There's, I, I remember two significant moments in uh, my walk with God over the last 17 years of times where he, I just felt cut to the heart. That's a phrase from Acts 2 when Peter preached. It says the people there were cut to the heart. I just remember cut to the heart where really what that was was a moment where God opened my eyes to impure motives and intentions. Where I wasn't necessarily doing a bunch of crazy, horrible things on the outside, but in my heart, I was going after the wrong thing in the wrong way. And I remember these moments. One was in my duplex. I lived in in college, sophomore year, and I'm just listening to this message. And I just remember remember the floor of my kitchen because that's where my face went when I realized, oh, my gosh, I need to repent for these impure motives of I was chasing after the praise of man instead of chasing after just a simple, faithful life unto God. A similar moment happened years later when uh, someone preached on just a holiness message. Just just felt the, the fear of the Lord. And, it's, and what motivates us is like when we stand before the Lord one day, everything is in the open. Even our thoughts and our intentions of our heart. Here's what a Hebrews 4, 
verse 12 and 13 says. It's talking about the power of the word of God, but not just the Bible, but just the the words of Jesus. Here's what they have power to do. It says they're discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Then it says no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now listen, guys, what this does is it should put the healthy fear of God in our life, but it also leads to freedom. It leads to freedom, freedom to have pure motives, pure intentions, not chasing things just for ourselves, but, man, to, to love God genuinely and to love people around us. Life is actually a lot better when you don't just live for yourself and you actually live unto God and live to bless others. It's so much more fun and freeing. And actually, it's so funny. People usually enjoy you more. <laughs> when you just don't live for yourself. Isn't that crazy? And the band's going to come up as I talk about this last one, so go ahead and come on up, band. Um, but when we have uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that gives us more and more freedom from impure motives, it leads us to freedom to pursue the right things. Everybody say the right things. Now, I'll comment on this, kind of two sides here. One is, yes, with Revelation of Eternity, it'll probably, for some of us, completely redirect what we're pursuing in life, okay? If you're pursuing just money or you're pursuing just fame, if you're pursuing just this, that, or the other, especially if you're pursuing anything that you know is obviously dishonoring to God, it hopefully could give you a huge 180 and go a different direction. But I would even say, if you start with the third one, freedom from impure motives, what it also does is it gives you a lot of freedom to to choose what to pursue because God gives us freedom to pursue things when we have right motives, when we have right intentions. Like the Lord will allow us to pursue a lot, actually. Now, there's things that are obviously in the sinful category. Nobody wants to pursue those. But like if God puts it on your heart to pursue this career path that's going to lead to a lot of wealth, but you know he's convicted you to have pure motives and to stand before God one day and to be generous, steward with everything that he gave you and multiply it out for other people's good and not just for your own well-being and comfort, then go pursue it because it could be from God. And if, if it's God's will and he wants you to pursue a path that could make you famous, whatever that means in our culture, then do it. But he's not going to ask you how famous you were one day. He's going to say, how did you respond and how did you let it move your heart with the influence and the fame you did have? Did you let it just puff you up or did you use it to influence people for the kingdom of God and to serve others? Is this making sense? There's a lot of freedom to pursue different things, but we want to do so with the right motives. So the band's going to lead us in a song in just a minute here. But here's how I, um, I want us to respond here. So I want you to just, uh, can you put that slide back up that has those um, kind of freedoms again? So when we have our minds set on eternity, when we have our minds set on him, here's what it leads to. I just want to read them again. Freedom, more and more freedom from stress, worry, and anxiety, and freedom to respond rightly. Freedom from all the impure motives and intentions that could creep into our heart, and then it leads to freedom to pursue the right things in the right way. And what I want us to do is to take a second before anybody comes forward, before our prayer teams come forward, the band's going to start singing, um, and then I'll come back up here and kind of lead us in how we can pray for one another. But I just want you to, to think for a second about a couple things. One is, if you're in this room and you think about eternity and it scares you like crazy 
because you're not confident what your eternity is going to be like and where you're going to be, then I want you to take that seriously. And I want you just to like bow in your heart. And there might even be time to come bow just and just to surrender your life to Jesus. There is only one solution to that fear, and that is the blood of Jesus. <laughs> He's the one that can give you a peace and a security and a confidence in what, where you will spend eternity. It's Jesus. But another thing I want to just, two other things actually I want to focus on is just any of us that you know you've just been really struggling with stress and worry and anxiety as it pertains to just things of this world, whatever it might be, bills you need to pay or jobs or where you're going to live or what you're going to do or how this affects, you know, five years from now. I just feel like the Lord wants to minister to you and just release his peace over you. But I think there's a conscious decision where you're going to say, Lord, I give this stress over to you. And he wants to help you rearrange I'm going to focus on eternity and not focus on this and give breakthrough and freedom to that. Then third, last but not least, just been thinking about this a lot this week, but I feel like the Lord wants to give some of us in this room victory over a spirit of doubt. And here's how it could look. It's like you just, every once in a while, the more you start thinking deeply about something about God or about the Bible, all of a sudden you get this wave of doubt, uh, or, or it might come here, it might come there, where you just feel like, oh no, what if it's not true? Oh no, what if God's not real? Oh no, what if this eternity thing is just bogus, fairy tale? And I just want you to know <laughs> that you don't have to freak out if that's a struggle that you have, but the Lord... Well, he wants to fight for you. And that is not from him. And he wants to deliver us and set us free from any of those things that could be creeping in from the enemy. Um, and, and God's really secure on how real he is. <laughs> He's really confident in who he is. And he wants to just demolish those lies that come into our minds. So take a second right now. It's between you and the Lord. I'm going to pray for us. But just you can journal if you want to. Just or sit quietly right where you are and just think about some of those things I just mentioned. And then I'm going to invite our prayer team up in just a minute. Van, y'all can start singing. So Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, speak to us. Whatever you need us to hear, would you open our, our minds and our hearts? Spirit of God, just come and convict, come and comfort, come and do what you want to do this morning as we think about living for eternity.